Hello and welcome to How Healthcare Happens. My name is Bryn Kentish and this is the eighth episode in our COVID-19 series. In this episode, I chat with Jackie Horsey. Jackie is a district nurse in Rumney in Cardiff. We discuss the unique relationship that patients have with their district nurse and how that's changed as a result of the pandemic, how district nurses are keeping themselves and their patients safe when entering these people's homes, and the danger of social isolation and how everyday gestures of kindness can mitigate it. At this point, I should just clarify some terms because they all sound somewhat similar. So firstly, we have self-isolation. Self-isolation is what you should do if you suspect that you have symptoms of coronavirus, that is, a persistent cough, a fever, or a loss or change in your sense of smell or taste. If you or any members of your household have these symptoms, then you should be self-isolating. The second is social distancing. Social distancing are the rules and measures that are put in place to keep us all safe. These include staying two metres apart from anyone when you're out in public for exercise or essential shopping, and not meeting up with friends or family who live outside of your household. Third is social isolation. Social isolation is a serious problem, and it is the state of complete or near complete lack of contact between an individual and the society in which they live. It's not the same as loneliness, as you can feel lonely in a crowd, but you will not be isolated. Social isolation is the objective measure of the number of contacts that people have, and many people, especially the elderly and more vulnerable in society, suffer from it. And as we have this conversation, I hope you see why the role of the district nurse is so important when thinking about this issue. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hiya, Jackie. Thanks for agreeing to talk to me today. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Bryn. Um, how are you? I'm fine. I suppose I should start this conversation by saying happy International Nurses Day. I'm not sure if you're doing anything special to mark it or if it's just another normal day to you guys. Uh, well, to be honest, Bryn, um, it's, I, it was only about half an hour ago it brought to my attention it was National Nurses Day. However, there is somebody that sends us a card every year, somebody we used to nurse many years ago. So that came about a week ago. So I think we got the days a little bit skewed. Oh, that's, re- that's really sweet. And I suppose that is a great representation of just how much you mean to your patients, which we'll hear more about as, as we kind of go through this conversation. But I was wondering if you could get us started by introducing yourself and telling me a little bit about your role. Okay, my name's Jackie Horsey. I'm a district nurse sister working in the Rumney District Nurse Team in Cardiff. Our role is quite varied. We aim to provide high-level sort of nursing care in patients' homes, people that aren't able to get out of their homes to doctor's surgery. And it can be anything from wound care to palliative care, um, just giving medication, and just providing any sort of nursing care at home that we can do. Sometimes quite simple, sometimes more complex care in the home. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of imagine the patients that you and your team would see would often be the more vulnerable, perhaps more elderly patients in our community. Is, is that correct? Or is it just anyone um, who is currently housebound? I mean, for example, if I had broken both arms, say, would a district nurse come and see me? Yes, you, you are right. In primarily, we do see a lot of the older generation who can't get out of their homes any longer to go to surgery. However, we, we do people just like you, you were saying, who might have had a traumatic injury or something and just need us for a short period of time until they become more able to get 
get to a surgery or somewhere to have their treatment. So primarily, I'd say, yes, we do see a, the older generation more, but it is wide and varied. And people with underlying health conditions who are more housebound than, than others. So that's that's the crux of our daily workload, really. How has your workload changed as a result of COVID-19? Well, initially, I think I think when COVID first sort of became realised, we, we had to look at our caseload and sort of restrict those people we were seeing maybe more days to fewer calls. We've seen some of our patients we see for many years, but they're families in because of covid isolation some people their families were willing to take over their care so our caseload changed primarily and got sort of fewer patients however then with covid and other complications along the way it, it has increased so we've sort of prioritized our our patient care and also we weren't sure in, initially how our staff reissue would be how many of our staff would maybe fall ill to to the virus so it has changed quite dramatically. We've seen some people we were seeing for many years, we've lost either to families taking over or to COVID or other illnesses and complications. So that's been quite hard um, for us as a team to deal with emotionally, really. Yeah, I can imagine. I was wondering how the people that you see or saw regularly and, and those that you continue to see regularly, how they felt about allowing you into their homes, especially at the start of the pandemic? Well, that, that was also varied in as much as some people who were really watching every single thing about COVID, listening to everything, they were really quite cautious about having us in because they didn't want us potentially taking any virus into them. Whereas... Others sort of just didn't really understand the the implications of it. So we had a real mixed variety. And from us professionally, obviously, there was a lot of anxiety and anguish among staff. So a lot of staff were very anxious about going into people as well. So there was sort of a, a mixed balance. So you go into some people who really were very aware of um, social isolation and keeping you, you know, arm's length away, whereas other people wanted to hug you, as probably they always have done. And that that sort of, it, it doesn't feel very good when you ask people you've seen for years if they could step back because we are in their home and asking them actually to keep away from us um, or distance themselves. So it, it's been um, quite a mixed response. And obviously, you know, with all the protection and self-protection, we've always washed our hands. We always like to think we deliver a high level of care However, our sort of self-awareness of hygiene and self-protection, primarily to protect the people we're visiting, but also ourselves, has been heightened. So we're probably washing our hands and cleaning our hands more than we were before. We're going in with masks and aprons on. So we, we feel that we can't show emotions because as well as, you know, a lot of communication is your facial expressions. So they can't see if you're smiling. They can't see, you know, if, you, if we've had incidences where we go to people who have lost a relative and we question whether we show the empathy that normally we would because our face is hidden behind a mask. Yeah, for all its benefits and merits, and I'm obviously not saying that you shouldn't wear PPE, but for all of, all of its uh, protection, it does restrict the level of intimacy that you can have with your patients. It hides so many emotions that we don't, we don't naturally, we take for granted, don't we, that we're yeah. smiling or we're showing 
often. Our eyes can show it, but behind sometimes a mask, it's much harder to see. So we've been fortunate enough to have, you know, enough PPE and we've managed that well. But we do feel that you do hide behind your mask and your aprons and everything. You just feel you're just not as probably, as you say, a bit so personal with the people we visit. And you're keeping people at arm's length as much as you can and reduce the amount of time you're with people. So our aim really is to go in, deliver effective high-level care, but to then leave, whereas maybe in the past, if time were allowed, you might stay and have a longer chat or something. But, you know, we're, we're very aware that to do the job and, you know, maintain our safety, the patient's safety, and and you know leave effectively really that was something that i wanted to ask about is whether you think that an unintended consequence of the lockdown is that it's made those people in our society who are perhaps most vulnerable uh, especially to things like social isolation whether it's made them perhaps more vulnerable and more isolated i think Yes, there is definitely an element of that. Bear in mind, some of the people we see, we we are the only people they see. Previously, prior to lockdown, they might have seen family members a little more. They might have had even, you know, people just dropping in, neighbours. They, they're not having that. So we go and we have noticed that people's mental health is affected by the fact that they're they're totally on their own with little interaction so, you know, we have noticed that people's mental health may be, may be suffering because of the lack of contact with other people and being isolated. Some of them have expressed they're quite depressed that they're not seeing their friends and they're not able to go out and do the things that they normally would. Um, so, yes, that is definite, um, definitely being seen. Mm. And which, again, highlights the importance of the role of the community and district nurse that there is this constant in their lives you know they have the routine of you visiting to look forward to almost yes yeah absolutely as i said previously that sometimes we are the only people in some of these people's lives so they look forward to us we become not only um somebody in a nursing role but a friend and somebody they can have a chat to or sit down and discuss what's on their mind so so, yes, there is an element of that. And I know a lot of people who maybe we've reduced calls, they're, they're really not very happy about that because, you know, they do like that social interaction. So, yeah, I think we are, we are, you know, we become friends. We get to know the patient. We get to know their families in a lot of cases. And we, we are a, a good social interaction. I mean, uh, some people we're visiting at the moment you know, we, we've actually done shopping for them and things like that because they literally, you know, a lot of people have families, but some people really don't. And um, and you just think, well, you know, as a, as a human being, you can't see somebody left on their own with, with little in the cupboards and, and things. So, so yeah, it, it's not only affects them mentally. I think emotionally it's been quite hard for myself and, and my colleagues as well, just just not being able to be as sort of in contact as we were previously. So today, the 12th of May, 2020, the chief exec of Cardiff and Vale UHB said that there have been over 450 COVID inpatients discharged from hospital in the region. And I was wondering if you and your colleagues, whether you'd visited any of these uh, recovering patients 
and if you were involved in their kind of rehabilitation back home after a discharge would that be something that you were involved in yes yes we have actually in fact in the recent sort of two weeks we've noticed our workload has increased which quite a bit has been people who have been discharged post-covid and actually it's quite encouraging and it's it's really nice to see people who have been through it because you know obviously the press everyone watches everything it's so negative but we're visiting people who have been through COVID in some cases, you know, been in intensive care for some significant time and they've gone home and they're recovering. They're well on the road to recovery. And we're just going in as a little bit of support, maybe addressing or something. And, and that's really encouraging for us to see that. Um, so, yes, we are seeing definitely more people who have been discharged post COVID. What are the steps in the COVID recovery or rehabilitation process? What does that look like? To be perfectly honest, um, some people post-COVID uh, are rehabilitate really well. I've seen people just saying they get the occasional headache or they're not quite right. We are tending to go into people who may, because they've been um, in bed for some time, they've developed sort of wounds on pressure areas or wounds. So we're going primarily to look after that but it's a it's a real it's a real mix but on the whole the people we're seeing are recovering really well with very few lasting um symptoms other than fatigue i think they're fatigued after the experience they've been through and their body recovering from it Yes, I can imagine. And that's one that I've read about quite a lot is that people will remain fatigued and even become fatigued or short of breath with exertion. Yes, yeah, yeah. As I say, the main thing that we have, people say, and it's been all through the COVID process, really, when they're first diagnosed, is the fatigue is the, is the main thing and it can come on and off. You think you're recovering and you have a, a couple of really good days and then you have a day where you just feel completely exhausted and I think that is the thing that is coming through most of all post-COVID to us. Fascinating. For you and your colleagues, I suppose out of everyone in the kind of healthcare world, you travel around perhaps more than any other staff member. And I was just wondering if anecdotally you could say what it's been like travelling around, seeing these patients while the rest of the world has been in lockdown. Is it strange? Does it make it easier to get between patients on a time limit? Yeah, to be perfectly honest, it's it's been, that's been varied as well. What I will say is that we have all enjoyed not sitting in as much traffic. Um, and I'm sure for those nursing teams who are more in a city where it's more built up, they might have parking issues outside homes with more people being at home. So how have you and your colleagues found the pandemic as a team I imagine you don't really get to see them as much anymore. No, that's that's true. Um, we, because of social isolation, we don't have our team meetings that we were having daily. We meet, we report back on more of an individual basis, which we're really missing that team contact. Um, during those sessions, we find that we can support the, maybe the more inexperienced staff, or if there are issues regarding patients 
or a particular treatment regime we can discuss as a team. So I, I know some of the newer colleagues or newer team members, um, they, they were really quite stressed at the beginning because they, weren't, they didn't feel they were getting that team support. So we've tried to figure ways of getting around that. So we've, we've sort of got Zoom um, meetings and we have occasional team meetings when there's fewer in where we can socially isolate. But that has been... Um, quite quite an issue really amongst the team just supporting each other and and keeping an eye on each other really talking to each other and making sure that everybody is feeling supported and safe because there's obviously a lot of anxiety not only with regards to patients but regards staff looking after themselves also yes yeah and I imagine that's a phenomenon that you and your team feel more acutely as staff who work out in the community and often by yourselves rather than how your colleagues may be feeling in the hospital yes yeah because we we are quite autonomous workers so we are out there alone um and i think that has sort of been one of the prime things as a team we've tried to support each other and try and find ways where we cannot for support to each other even though we're socially isolating to to be it just sometimes it's just people saying to you how are you are you managing is there anything worrying you you know just knowing there are people still around us even though we're not having these sort of bigger get-togethers yeah and on that theme to make your role and your lives a little bit easier or perhaps the lives of your patients a little bit easier is there anything that their neighbours or families could do to help? Obviously, I'm excluding anything that would break the lockdown measures at this point. So I wouldn't suggest going around to see them. But even checking up on your neighbours, especially if you know them to be vulnerable, surely that would make your role as a district nurse a little bit easier, right? Yes, yeah, of course it, it would. And I mean, there are families who are, you know, even with the, the older generation who maybe aren't as... Um, IT savvy as the younger ones, they are organizing sort of FaceTime groups and Zoom meetings. It's There are positives to be gained in as much as neighbors looking out for each other. I think we are seeing that a little bit more. And I think that, you know, as you say, you have to keep your social isolation, but just, you know, looking over or, or waving in sometimes to somebody who is totally isolated, that, that is quite a big gesture, even though it seems small, just to know there is somebody there. And I think we all as humans really can, can learn that, you know, being kind, I know that was one of the things at the beginning, but, you know, just looking out for each other and being aware of other people and those who are more vulnerable is is something we can all learn from this pandemic really we can take those as positives and for us personally going forward make us better at keeping in contact with other people regardless you know yes yeah because social isolation was a big problem before the pandemic wasn't it it was something that our most vulnerable people were certainly struggling with and was something that was the focus of uh, many people in the Cardiff and Vale Health Board especially those in primary care I, I guess I was thinking that there's this huge outpouring of support for the NHS and you know we're seeing all these generous donations coming into the NHS but to to really support the effort against covid i think you're right it might be more simple than that it might just be a case of 
checking in on an elderly neighbour and just seeing that they're okay. Indeed, yes, I do. I do think you know we have been overwhelmed. You know, in just my team alone, but in the in the NHS and everyone within it, of the generosity and kindness of people and businesses and everyone who have been so kind. I mean, I came into work this morning and a gentleman was walking past and just said thank you. And you know that that is that is such a nice gesture because at ground level we just feel that we're doing our job but the bigger picture I do think you know that being kind as simple as it is as humans it I think it has made us think more probably about our our neighbors those closest to us those who are more vulnerable and ultimately I'd like to think that we will learn from it and be more caring of those people around us and be more aware of people who are more vulnerable because it's not the big things it's the little things that change lives and make people's lives better just knowing that there is somebody out there looking out for them in whatever small way that may be. That's a really lovely sentiment thank you Jackie as a final Mm -hmm. question if you don't mind me asking it I was just wondering how you are coping with the pandemic and the lockdown and all the new rules and measures and everything, how you're coping with it on a personal level? Um, on, on a personal level, Bryn, I think um, I, I, I don't feel overwhelmed by it, if I'm honest. That's not being, you know, um, it's not being, well, I don't know what it is. <laughs> But I think initially, yes, it was overwhelming. The amount of information coming out was vast. It was difficult to keep up with it all. My biggest task really has been ensuring staff are safe and that they feel emotionally supported and trying to reduce the anxiety within a team as as a whole team. And to be honest, we, we I think we've managed that very well. And so I feel supported by my colleagues I'm working with as well as supporting them. So I, I, I feel that personally, I've, I'm managing quite well. Ultimately, my priority every day is to provide the best patient care we can for those we visit um, to support my colleagues. And I think initially we did lose some people to covid as well as other things and that was hard so it it did affect us emotionally however we've seen we have seen that flatten and i i think we've all managed with it we've all supported each other and we we are coping quite well and hopefully we'll come out of this as better people i think that's something that we can all hope for Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks again, Jackie. Thank you for taking time out of your, you know, incredibly busy schedule to chat with me. I hope you enjoy the rest of the day and take some time to celebrate International Nurses Day and all the great work that you do <laughs> in whatever form that takes. Thank you very much, Bryn. Thanks for your time, too. <laughs> no worries. Thanks now. <laughs> Bye. No problem. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Jackie Horsey, a district nurse in the Rumley area of Cardiff. In the next episode, I chat with Joanne Brandon. Jo is the Director of Communications and Engagement for Cardiff and Vale University Health Board, and she's also my director. Until next time, my name's Bryn Kentish, and this was How Healthcare Happens. Thank you.